Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I say your name. You solemnly swear. To support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and to bear true faith and allegiance to the same. And I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of those officers appointed over me according to regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of American Vet Podcast. I, by the time this episode comes out, it's going to be after Christmas. I'm hoping all the everybody out there, all my listeners, had a good Christmas and everybody got the ARs or the five five six or the nine mils. Uh, hopefully, everybody got some of that stocked up. Um, for this episode, I'm going to be talking with Dino. Dino did eight years in the Army from 08 to 2016. He's been on one deployment to Afghanistan, two tours to Korea. And his MOS was a 25U, a signal support system specialist. And he has the Puerto Rican Freedom Medal, which hopefully we're going to get into that. And I'll, I'll learn what that is. And if you don't know what it is out there, too, you'll learn, too. And right now, currently, he's network engineer for Charter Communications. Dino, how you doing today? Doing great, man. I'm doing great and honored uh, to be here. And uh, thank you for, for bringing me on your show. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we're talking here prior to the show, and uh, you were telling me where you lived, and uh, I should have just flown over there, because I'm getting a foot of snow. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not that bad over here right now. It's, it's rolling right around 40 degrees in Texas. So it's cold, um, but no snow. You know how it is. It, there's snow down here. They get about a centimeter, and you'll have like 32 accidents off of 183. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah, when I, my last two years, I, I was in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and they had like a dusting or whatever. And they, you know, I was surprised. I'm like, here we are. We're Marines. We're badass. You know, Camp Lejeune's the biggest Marine Corps base there is in the U.S. You know, and uh, they shut the base down. They shut the roads down. Everything was shut down. I was like, are you serious right now? Like, you know, what happened to that? Like, if it ain't raining, we ain't training kind of mentality. So I was just driving all over the roads and just cause I had a truck, a little small truck at the time. So I was just fishtailing and being, a, you know, that belligerent dickhead on the road. It happens to the best of us, man. <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> yep, yep. So, who are you, uh, you know, before the military? What made you join the military and, uh, and whatnot? And why the Army? Um, so, uh, I was trying to be uh, a Marine. Uh, my brother was actually a Marine. Um, when I was very young, I, I, I remember him in, in blues, well, actually in greens and blues back in early 95, you know, 90, 96. Uh, that was part of, I think of it. Uh, I didn't know it subconsciously during that time, but, um, he has a big, my brother, my older brother does have a big impact on, on me joining. Um, I did a little bit of everything, uh, before I joined the service. I was one of the old ones, the old heads coming in and basic. Uh, I was what, like 23. I want to say I was like 23 or 22 when I joined. Um, so I'd already gone through my drunk belligerent phase <laughs> at 17. I had already gotten a really bad tattoo. Um, I skateboarded like crazy. I was just a, a crazy skateboarder punk down in New York City. Um, lived there for, for a long time. Uh, when 9-11 happened, 
that impacted me drastically. Uh, my sister was living down and well, she was actually working down in 34th street. Um, so I was there during nine 11 and, um, that day I, I will never forget just because of everything we, we went through. And, um, I had given myself a timeline in 2007. I was like, if by the end of 2007, I am not doing anything or if I'm still in the same hole that I was in New York City because I was literally making, I wasn't paying no rent and I was making, I want to say like $500 a week at the time and I couldn't cover my costs. So I was going in the hole every week Yeah. and I was like, well, I was like, I can't keep doing this. I was like, uh, I, was, I was like, if I do three more years of this, I'm done, man. I'm, I'm going to be completely flat broke with nothing to fall back on and, uh, so I gave myself the timeline. I was like, if January comes around and I'm not in it, I'm, I'm going to join the service. So try to go through the Marine Caruder, uh, January 1st, but obviously it was close because it was New Year's. Yeah. So second, the second I ended up coming in on the eighth, I was ready in basic training. It took me six days and I was gone. Wow. Yeah. So you got me beat. Mine was two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I heard, I heard. Yeah. 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 It's just, uh, you know, I went into the boot camp too. I was, I turned 22 in boot camp too. So I know how it is. You know, you, you do that belligerent time frame and everything else. And I think being belligerent and all that before going in and not getting out of high school and going right in definitely made me better in the service. You know what I mean? It's just, and I'm not saying nothing bad about anybody else out there that's like 17 years old and going into the military. Hey, good on you. I mean, I would have saved myself a lot of shit if I would have done the same thing, but, um, being a Marine, you know, that's what we're known for is partying and being fucking stupid. So, you know, I was already, already, already trained when I went in. <laughs> oh, I know, man. I served shoulder to shoulder with you guys over in NATO. So I, I know what it's about. <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right. So, you know, how, what led you to, um, so you, what led you to that MOS and stuff like that? And, uh, so it's funny because it's like I've listened to a couple of your episodes and I see that everybody has kind of a different story. My my MEP story was was pretty simple. I went in, um, I, I took my ASVAB and I scored exactly what I wanted to score, which was decent enough to get almost any MOS. Yeah. Um, I had to, I couldn't go to the Marines. Well, I did choose. I chose not to go to the Marines because they didn't give me a choice of my job. And I was like, well, <laughs> if I can't choose my job, I don't know if I necessarily want to go in for a free for all, you know, right. at least give me a little, you know, a little time frame. And I knew I wanted to get in computers at that time because um, this was during, you know, early AOL, MySpace era. I mean, yep. HTML was still a thing. Dial up was still knocking you off. <laughs> so it was interesting to, to see that. And I was like, well, I'm going to try to get into Signal. I wanted to become a machinist, um, but they didn't, they didn't have any slots for machinists because I was like, maybe I could just build parts for tanks. That's what I, uh, what I thought I was going to do. Right. Ended up not doing <laughs> that. He's like, well, we don't have any slots for you. You know, you can get a bonus if you go 25U, but you're going to have to sign such and such. And I was like, well, let me see here. I stood a whole day at MEPS. I slept at MEPS <laughs> for a whole day. Um, because I refused to accept a MOS unless I knew what it was. I was like, I'm not going to pick just a random job because I don't know what it is. Right. So I sat there and scrubbed the list of like 63 MOSs and was just like pro and con and <laughs> all night, you know, and I finally decided, you know, screw it. I'm going to go with signal support because it's so vague. I can do almost anything. 
And sure enough, it was it was a blessing in disguise, man. It was definitely what I was meant to do. So outstanding. So you get done with with boot camp. So where is um? So where do you go for training and and, and stuff like that for that MOS? Okay, so I went over to Fort Jackson in boot camp. I was one of the last iterations between that BDU and ACU era. So we kind of got like that hodgepodge of LBE ACU bottoms <laughs> and, and canteen. We looked all sorts of ate up. But um, my experience in basic was was pretty intense. I had a, a calf scout and a infantryman as as DIs. And both of these guys were E7s. They had gone through Iraq. They'd been through Iraq, I think, about two tours apiece. Yeah. These guys were were not – honestly, if looking back at it, they probably should have never been DIs. But <laughs> but uh, they they were two of the best you know, hard charging DIs I could have asked for. And I mean, they put us, they put us through the ringer. They, uh, our first day at basic, we, they put us all in, uh, in a body bag and was just like, get used to it because yeah. you're going to see your boys come back this way or you're going to be the person coming back this way. And that was, I think that was the wake up call for us in basic training during that time was just like, Hey, you, you, we're in it. We're in it because yeah. we joined during a time of war. So it's a little different. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then, uh, after that first, uh, first duty station that, uh, well, AIT, uh, I'm not sure how you guys go. You know, they got tech, tech school and we got AIT, yeah. uh, advanced division trade. So I went to AIT in, uh, Fort Gordon in Georgia, uh, almost 17 weeks. Um, so did everything from switch and, and network analysis, radios, uh, you name it. And then, you have a choice to go back, uh, you know, you two weeks. I can't even remember. Is it HRAP where you go back for two weeks? Um, and you, uh, you can kind of do recruiting in your local area and then you can come back to your duty station. Some people do that, uh, yeah. when they transition out of AIT, like they try to go HRAP just so they can go back home. I didn't. I just went straight to Korea. I got orders <laughs> to, uh, Camp Castle. Oh, um, yeah. And I was up there in, in 08 to 09, a wonderful time. That base is no longer. It's, it's gone now. Yep. It's a yeah, good placement. What Humphreys up there now, right? Well, I was actually at Humphreys in 2013, which is down south. So if you look at South Korea, there's a, the north part of South Korea is where I originally was yep, in yep. 08. And then I ended up being in the south, which is crazy because my unit was the medevac unit. So we were stuck, we were stuck in the South, but they would roll us to the North every week. So we were on a two week rotation. We would go out for two weeks on the medevac and then come back for four days, go yep. back for two weeks, four days. So yeah, I did a couple, couple months down in uh, South Korea with 31st Mew. And you know, it's, it's funny because I kick myself in the ass because, you know, as you know, over there, you can buy genuine stuff for a hell of a lot cheaper than you can over here in the mass. And I'm from New England, I'm from Massachusetts, and uh, so you know, Patriots fan at the time when I went there because that's before football got all political and stuff. Or um, Brady went to <laughs> went to to Jacksonville. Yeah, he's all done anyways. Whatever. Um, so you know, I had like Teddy Bruschi jersey, silver jersey, and stuff like that. I had American tags on there for like 320 bucks. I think I because not only are they like 98 percent cheaper than buying it in America. But then you can also talk them down very easy too, you know. So it was, uh, but I had them all pinned. You know, I had all these jerseys and whatever pinned on my wall, and I got really drunk the night before I left um, Okinawa, Japan, 
and I left them all on my wall. And I was on the plane. I was like, and it hit me. I was like, fuck. <laughs> hey, man, it happens. I remember going down uh, when I was looking. I was looking for a purse for my wife. Yep. And uh, it was so funny because, like, Ajima will bring you in. She's like, yep. hey, come in. You know what I mean? And then she's like, hey, I got some exclusive stuff. And I'm just like, where, are we? where exactly are we going? <laughs> she peels four bags off the wall. Little latch comes out. So another stairways downstairs, <laughs> a whole different yeah. product shelf. I was like, well, what am I getting into? I was like, don't close the door behind me. Yeah. Might catch a case. But, uh, but it was pretty It was pretty fun, man. I had a great time down there. I was very uh, – humbled by a lot of experiences i got to do a lot of training exercises i was yep. actually stuck with the field artillery and infantry unit down there so yeah. i was attached to two tens fires and we did a lot of uh, a lot of field exercises outstanding outstanding i was uh driving around with a major one time and he told me he's like hey if you ever want to know where north korea is drive by the air air force base there and see which way the, the missiles are pointed <laughs> yeah <sighs> Yeah, it's it's tough, man. No, you know, some people don't really understand the threat, and I think I've gotten to seeing it firsthand. Not only because I was up up there in 08, and we had a chemical threat, and we had to yep. be in we had to be in full mop and in, in a training Everything. in a non yeah. uh, how do you say it non war environment. It was very strange because yep. it was like 80 degrees. We're in full mop. We're just sweating our asses off, and we're like, really, is it this serious? <laughs> like, is it this serious? But hey, yep. it was during the time. Yeah, I was over there when, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but I was over there, uh, you know, beginning of 06, then again at, you know, towards the end of 06 and then another time over in 07. But I was over there when they were starting to really send off, see how far their, their nukes, missiles would go and they would go down to the Pacific. But I was in South Korea when they were doing that. And, you know, so the major I was driving around and, and stuff like that, he told me, he's like, you know, are you ready to go to war with North Korea? I was like, kind of not, dude. I mean, I'm a Marine, you know, but I've seen these mo- rock Marines, which is, you know, the Marine Corps in South Korea, and mm-hmm. they don't have mothers of America. You know, I'm, I'm watching these guys get, you know, ninja kicked in the face and stuff like that. So I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, the rock ain't no joke. I mean, I learned that the rock wasn't no joke when, uh, when we got into the Republic of Korea. For those who don't know, that's what yeah. the rock stands for, Republic of Korea Army. So yeah. they get split into katusas. Do you guys have katusas in the Marines or no? What I don't is, think what so. Is, what is that? So katusas are Korean augmentees to the U.S. Army is what it stands for. Um, but what it is is, when you're local in Korea, they have to, they all have to serve, right? So right. they have to take an exam. When they take the exam, half of them are split. So the ones that don't speak very good English or maybe are struggling in some education standards, yep. they would tend to go to the police route or the rock. They'll get assigned to the rock or the police. The right. ones who do speak English and have better education tend to go into the Katusa program, which is only like, I think, I want to, I'm misspeaking here, but let's say something like 10%, um, of the, of the pop actually gets to be Katusa. So it's an honor for them because they right. don't get the same, they don't, they get, they fall under the rock hat, but they don't get beat, uh, as bad as the rock. <laughs> I don't mean to say it that way, but that's yeah. technically what it is. Yeah. Um, because these guys are not like our army. They will put hands on you and, uh, I remember seeing a, a rock star major just curse out one of my katusas, and I was trying to explain to the rock star major that that he's a Korean, he's a katusa, he's just, he's part of the katusa program, but he's assigned to our unit, so he is my soldier. 
Right. And you were not going to talk to him. Like, so we got into it bad. It was really bad because I bucked <laughs> up on him and I was like, Hey, I'm not going to let you know, I'll, I'll go down swinging for mine. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, I definitely got my pee pee slapped that day. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it was good, man. It was a good time. Okay. All right. So now you get done with, uh, in, in South Korea. Now, where you go from there? Are you coming back? Back to the U.S. somewhere? Or? So I come back to uh, upstate New York. I was stationed at Fort Drum. I, st- I spent about four years in total at Drum, but only two years there. <laughs> 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 if you get my drift, it was one of those. It, Drum is very infamous for like going out, coming back, going out, coming back. So like yep. first battalion to go and then second battalion to go, third battalion. So you're going to go. It's just a matter of what battalion needs you the most. Right. So uh, – so they have the Ranger Regiment there, and uh, I got a little hula there. I felt like I could do something, you know. I was like, well, maybe I should just go to Ranger School or go to something else. Um, didn't didn't chase Ranger School very much. Um, I ended up just putting all that on the back burner and just focusing on myself. Uh, when I was over in Drum, that's where I actually got the Puerto Rican Freedom Medal in, in uh, I want to say, 2010. Um, and that was just by the senator. Uh, her name is Lucy Alcel Ferrer. Um, she was just a Puerto Rican senator during the time she came down to Fort Drum to find uh, Puerto Rican soldiers that had served over 180 days uh, overseas to try to give them, you know, give back to little old island that we right. have back there that nobody wants to look at. <laughs> right. Give it, give it some recognition, you know, and, I, and I'm. Right. And I think that's a really good program that she's doing there then. And, uh, mm-hmm. just- it was, it's difficult though because it's not, it's not recognized under, how do I say, it's not recognized under the, the UCMJ or, or the actual military, our American military, right? But it's more of like a coin. It's really, that's what it is to me. It's just a coin, but it means a lot more to me because of my heritage. It means a lot more to me because of who gave it to me and, and right. the meaning behind it. So. Right, yeah, it's definitely got a little bit of, you know, I would definitely, um, if I was in your shoes, you know, I would definitely hold that on my chest. And yeah, I could, but let me see if I pull it off here so you can take a look. It's, <laughs> it's not very big. <laughs> uh, that's the back end. Um, and it says Asamblea, le- legis- it's the legislative assembly is what that means. Okay. And it just has the, the Puerto Rican flag, American flag, and it's like in honor of the, def- uh, defender of, the defenders of liberty. So oh, outstanding! That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good little. That's my my good pat on the back for eight yeah. years. <laughs> Here you go. So now your first deployment, you go over into Afghanistan. So what's a you know what does a, a deployment for a twenty five U look like? Okay, so I would tell you that I had a very very fortunate career. Most twenty five uniforms would never get a chance to do what I did. The only reason I was able to do what I did was because I was hard charging and I didn't let anybody tell me no. I was one of those that would be in the the bees or in the company just reading on the walls of bulletins and seeing what kind of programs they had. I was all about education. I, I'm, a, I'm a reader. I love I love learning. That's my biggest hobby is what I tell people. Um, and because of that, I, I threw myself everywhere, right? So I started off in a field artillery unit and I was able to learn JNN and support work. So I kind of worked at a mid battalion level at that point. Um, when I got back to drum, then I was back down at the company level. Um, so signal support, really what we do is we kind of roll with the motor pool in a way. Um, 
we sign we anybody that's assigned to a certain amount of vehicles has radios right so right. they would they would attach us right to it like hey you're going to PMCS you're going to be rolling all the maintenance but that's what our our really entity is is like if they had any radios that were back out whips any antenna maintenance the OE254s anything that you could think of that it had to do with camo 25 uniforms are supposed to fix it because we're supposed to be, they, they call us the, the jack of all trades and master of none. Cause it's like, Hey, it's got a cable, your uniform, you got to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we went through a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, tough pains, you know, coming from laptops and moving on to desktops and then to radios over IP. So I got to see all that transition and I have all that knowledge. And that's kind of what I've been trying to do is figure out a way for me to, release that info because i have so much of it and i and i dealt with so much of it yeah. um so then at, at calf uh it was kind of a weird situation because i was part of a, a, a headquarters and headquarters battalion uh, calf for those who don't know is uh, kandahar air force base it's in afghanistan um kind of in, in between i want to say helmand province i i, I a lot of those areas are going to elude me because it's been so long since right. I've been there. So I apologize, but I'll try my best to, to describe it. But pretty much it's a really crusty airstrip that's in the middle of Afghanistan with not not a big runway and <laughs> a lot of bombs that hit it. Right. So uh, that was pretty much it. So I got stuck in a, a CAF is a NATO base. So you have um, Australian Army. I got a chance to work with Australian Army, the Canadians, the Marines. Uh, Air Force and, uh, also worked in the CJOC was the com- combined, uh, the combined joint, uh, operations center. Okay. Because, uh, I, since I did a lot of support, I did a lot of the, the technical end. So for UAV feeds and for FBCB2, Blue Force tracking and all that stuff. So if you got any questions on that, you throw them my way. I, I'm probably going to know the answer. <laughs> um, and, uh, that's, that's pretty much what we did. I, my position was more to keep all the vehicles up and running. Make sure that all the signal equipment was good. And if we had any retranslocations, I was the guy to go fix them or, or make sure that we were good. So that was my job. So I had multiple areas. I didn't have one area that I worked in. There was right. sometimes I'd go out to some fob in the middle of nowhere. And sometimes I went somewhere else. So it just depended. All right. So at least you were, uh, you know, I know we're, we were talking about being in Afghanistan in, in a time of war, but at least you're, it seemed like you were pretty busy and, you're always kind of like, go, 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 go. So, I mean, do you think that helped you from like not realize where you were? Or was that always still in the back of your head kind of going? Like, no, man. No, man. It, every day was a reminder that we were there. There yeah. was not a day that went by. It, it, for me, it was it was a different experience. Maybe to others, it was okay. Right. Um, I'm from New York City, so I'm used to loud sleeping and stuff. But I'm yeah. not used to rockets coming at me every freaking day because that's literally how I felt. Yeah. Like there would be spurts that we didn't have any, but there was a lot of spurts where we were getting um, detonations all the time. You know, you got that one guy who's holding their tray who <laughs> with milk and everything just dies out. You know, there's always one. And yep. we, we had a lot of that in, in calf because uh, that the, the danger was real. And those guys are smart. They're not they're not stupid. They just they just have a different way of doing things, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. So now being in in. in that and doing the transition from like computer to laptops and everything else has anything like i gotta ask like have you ever like looked at a laptop or something like that like you know it's probably going to be from the marine corps because you know that's what we do but have you ever looked at one and just say like what the fuck were they doing on this computer like where the fuck you know (laughs) (laughs) i mean there's a there's a lot of moments like that i mean there's 
I'll give you a better example. So, yeah. like, we had this small little unit of SF guys. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm gonna, uh, and these guys would always go outside. Do you know what the MRATs or the MATVs are? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you know your, your headset is usually connected to a 1523 or something inside. Right. But some of them have it on the kit, right? Right. These guys were attached to the radios inside. They would step outside their vehicles with this long ass pigtail and close the fucking door. Oh. Okay. And then they're like, it doesn't work. No shit. You just <laughs> slam the damn cable in the fucking door. You know it's broken. Now uh, I would spend, I swear to God, my tour in Afghanistan, I had to spend at least at a minimum 120 hours just splicing fucking headsets <laughs> because we weren't getting them in. So I had to do with, with, with what I had, you know, I had to right. fix them as best as I could. So I was, I was the MacGyver of Afghanistan, man. They would bring me the most fucked up shit and I would <laughs> figure out how to fix it. It was fun. Outstanding. Yeah. That sounds like a little challenge. And, uh, yeah, I would have liked that challenge too, but I definitely would have been one of the guys that are just fucking breaking it and everything else and never thinking about the cord because i do it now even when i'm done like you know i'll be done with the podcast and i'll get up and i'll yank my headphones off (laughs) i do it all the time with my phone my phone is classic man that thing is always getting dropped (laughs) (laughs) okay so now as you're as you're over there is there anything that like um any conversations everything or anything like that that you overheard or you know i'm sure everything's recorded and stuff like that but like any conversations where you're just kind of like just laughing your ass off or anything that kind of pops in memory um, th- well, I mean, there's a lot of very, very funny moments. I think the the f- most funniest moment, and I'm not going to name any names, but right. let's just say we got to that point in deployment where we were all a little stir crazy. Uh, so my friend thought it was a good idea to Amazon himself a small pool because, you know, we had no <laughs> pool. <laughs> That's not the best part. The best part is the fact that, okay, now we know the small pool is here, but we don't know bought it and we don't know how to fill it up right because there's one thing that's not abundant in afghanistan is water okay (laughs) and uh not only is water not messed with you're not supposed to touch this water this water is meant for units for specific battalions you know it's divvied up i'm not gonna say (laughs) let's just say we acquired some bottles of water Okay, and we filled up this pool and had a good old time, man. And I never forget that. That was a, that was kind of just a moment of like innocence amongst all the chaos. And it was, it was humans need it. Humans, we need it. Uh, Sometimes we're so busy in the trap that we take the human factor out. And I think that's what's what's a lot of people are realizing nowadays is that you know they want us to be machines, but we ain't. We're humans. Yeah, absolutely. we got to kind of pull ourselves back, and, and I think it's important to think about that, too. But that was right. a good point, man. I haven't remembered that story until now. <laughs> so if you got to, you know, if somebody's out there and they're like, hey, man, you know, they're, they're thinking about becoming a 25U or anything like that, you got any advice for them? Like, So the one piece of advice that I would give them, so I had a very good uh, senior NCO, E7, um, that took me under his wing pretty young in my career and, and kind of showed me the ways. And I think that's what people fail to realize is that, yeah, the military is an individual thing. Um, but if you're a uniform, you need people and it doesn't matter what job you have, you're going to need people. So you need to right. befriend them and you need to learn from them. You can't choose your leadership, but you can learn what not and not to do from them. Because bad leadership I've learned more from than good. 
So you can't pick and choose them. Um, and I think that's more important. And if you're going into the military, don't get disheartened by your leaders because they may not be the leader that you want, but you need to be that leader and you need to take the initiative to learn your job well, be proficient in it, and you have nothing to hide. You shouldn't have any fear. Right. Right. That's a good piece of piece of advice. I like it. Um, because I don't really like good or bad leaders too. <laughs> I've, that's what I'm saying. Because you you have enough of them. Trust me. You you oh, know yeah. what bad leadership is. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this. It's only coming to my mind. But I was in Okinawa, Japan. Had one of my good buddies. You know, we used to drink all the time. And in, in uh, so the Marine Corps, so like the first three ranks are given to you, and then you know E4, you have that's the first earned rank. That's when your PFT comes in. Your your Marine Combat Institute stuff comes in. Your MCIs and all that stuff comes into play. And so he picked up E4, and you swear to God, he picked up Colonel. You know, he just completely switched, and, you know, he's like, you know, I'm not going to say his name, but, you know, I would say his name or something like that. Like, oh, no, you addressed me by this. You know, in uniform, out of uniform, the whole nine yards this guy wanted. And it's, you know, I don't really see the point of that. I really don't, you know. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, man. There's there's way too many of that. And then the thing is, it just it, – I, ca- I like to call them false leaders. You know what I mean? Is like yep. they could they could think whatever they want, but I'm a man of work. It's like you judge me by my work and my work ethic, and that's all I can speak for. That's what I stand behind. You know, and when people used to approach me, even as an NCO, I wasn't one of those that lock them up. Now, if you come at me sideways, then yeah, I was gonna lock your ass up because yeah. you're being a, being an ass, but. Right. I, I was pretty lenient, and uh, a lot of the, the NCOs that I had were the same. Like, like I said, I was very fortunate. In my career, is not not common because I got to work, like I said, from division all the way down to company level. How many people can say that they've done that? Right. I worked in an E7 position as an E5. I worked as an E, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that those opportunities and chances weren't given to me. I had to go get them, and right. I had to struggle. And um, because of that, that's what made me into the the hard charger that I was when I wasn't. Yeah, just be respectful to everybody else and know your capabilities and just don't, uh, you know, don't you don't have to be, you know, I don't know if you ever heard it, but you know, some Paris Island Marine and then there's San Diego Marines, right? And so, you know, us Paris Island Marines will call people that went to San Diego Hollywood Marines. You know what I mean? It's just a little bickering that we have to do, you know, because. You know, so it's the same thing with me. So like you got airborne and then you got legs. So they used to make fun of me all the time because I was always around airborne guys, but I was a leg. It's like, oh, you dirty leg. I was like, hey, this dirty leg will fix your radio, though. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so what do you want now? He's like, yeah. oh, all right, Dino. All right. All right. All right. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah. And that's kind of like I was motor T and we had a saying, too. We were just kind of like, you know, talk about us, walk without us kind of thing. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, we joke about it. But at the end of the day, we're here for everybody else. And it's I think that definitely Absolutely. it's like your army and I'm Marine. So we, we're going to bicker, but it would all carry you any across any field, you know. Yeah, but that that's what I'm saying. And I think that's what a lot of the things that basic training, I think because basic training changed a little bit, that's kind right. of been separating. They're not they're not putting in that group mentality because they do have to teach you treat uh, treat them as individuals because they fall on their own sword, you know. Um, and I think that was partially towards the end of my career where I, uh, started trying to reclass. I was trying to reclass at 38 series, uh, to go SF. Um, so I ended up going to Camp McCall. I made it through the initial selection phase and I actually went through selection and got non-selected. That, 
that buckled me, man. That oh, that no. was a that was a home run hit with uh, right to my ego, because yeah. I you know I trained so hard, I bust my ass. You know what it is? Weeks and weeks of running, rucking. PT. I literally took a PT test every day for two weeks straight. Yeah. Not to include the three hours of PT we did after that. Yeah. So it's like my body was completely ready to do uh, special forces training. But when I got there, the the cadre saw something else. They saw something else. Yeah. And sure enough, and, and I was glad. I'm glad now because I realized that now that I wasn't ready mentally. I was ready physically, but mentally I was a mess. I was a fucking mess. And I needed... I needed to go through that to realize that, unfortunately. Some people do have to learn that way. I learned the hard way. Don't be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it's and it sounds like you didn't let that uh you know, you didn't get butt hurt, so to speak. Oh, know? I did. Oh, I got royally butt hurt, my man. I was royally butt hurt. I mean it got me to a depression. I was okay. that's partially why I ended up getting out. Um now I can talk about it now. Because, because like I said, I've made the adjustments I needed for my own mental health, but that I didn't realize how bad my mental health was until I actually got out and started really looking back at myself and like, yo, what was wrong with me during this time? Why did I flip out? Partially yeah. ego, partially pride, partially really hurt. So, yeah, um, it's, it's all a little bit of something. Yeah, yeah, and it takes it doesn't take a whole lot sometimes, and uh, you know when it's. It's tough. It's definitely tough. Like, um, that was kind of like what happened with me. Kind of like I got out the same tune. I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? Because, you know, you do all this stuff and everything else, but, uh, you know, it is definitely tough. Um, so you get out in 2016. Now, do you go back? When, like, do you go back to New York or are you going to, like, is this what you oh, want to Oh, no. So, uh, Okay, so we'll catch you up real quick. So I did deploy the CAF. We went to Afghanistan. I came back to Drum. I was supposed to go to Germany. Um, at this point, I was married with my wife. We're dual military. She's a cook and I was signal. Okay. Um, and, um, I decided, decided that we were going to go to Germany. We put in the orders to go into Germany and <laughs> the, the lovely gentleman that helped me, uh, made sure that I was stop moved. Cause at that point in time, they had stopped stop loss do you remember the story of stop loss it's like oh yeah they stopped talking about stop loss because they renamed it to stop move okay that's (laughs) all they did they renamed it and i was just like gotta be kidding me so they stopped move me they're like oh yeah this is not a stop loss this is a stop move so they're gonna stop you and we're gonna send you to fort hood i was like oh wonderful (laughs) i was like not only did i not get overseas where i wanted but i got stuck to one of the one of the more difficult of duty stations down in in the states in texas so that's how i ended up in texas where i'm at now so i ended up coming here and a blessing in disguise so again i actually got stuck in a, a civil affairs unit um that civil affairs unit um is deactivated now but that's what pushed me to go to selection when i got in the ca environment i was learning about a lot of other special forces sections like psyops and all that and i was like i want to go i want to at least try if i fail then i fail over there but at least i gave it a shot and then that's that's what that's all i wanted and um that after that when i transitioned out it was kind of rough because i was like you know what am i going to do you know what 
so when I initially signed my contract, I remember that I had signed something about a pace program, but I had re-enlisted three times by then because I, st- I did all my time active. I didn't do right. any reserve time. I just went straight active because I was like, I'm going to finish my eight years so these dudes can't come back and get mad. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, let me just finish my eight years active. And, and that's what I did. I ended up getting out um, honorably under my own, you know, I just ETS straight out and, uh, I was looking for work with the PACE program and sure enough, there was, uh, uh, a, a knock near me, uh, network operations center, which was in Austin. And, uh, I ended up driving down there. I interviewed, I want to say in September of 2005, uh, 2000, yeah, 2015, beginning of 16. I was back and forth. I ended up having to do three interviews <clears throat> because I was still on terminal leave for like three months. <laughs> so I was in the service and working at the same time. So that was an interesting story. I, I never even transitioned. I didn't even give myself a day. I was already working when I got okay. out. Perfect. So, so that's, so you, what is the peace program there? I've never, I never heard of that or anything. Is that something like you, you're signing pace. up with, or pace? Sorry. So, yeah, so the pays program, um, like I said, this is just something that's initial uh, under your initial contract. I don't know if it still exists. And like I said, this is back in 08. So it yeah. was an initiative to allow people to work in a field that was similar to the job on the outside. Okay. So I originally signed it with Time Warner Cable, which is no more because they were sold out to charter. And, and that's a whole rigmarole that I can get into, but. Right. But, um, I was actually part of the, the, I was part of original, uh, Time Warner cable that was transitioned to charter. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I was part of that company that got moved over to the new company. And now, you know them as Spectrum. That's what they're at now. Okay. So that, that pace, it's, it sounds, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like, so when you go in and talk to the recruiter, you're signing up for, you know, four years initially, or, you know, I don't know if Army's like, four, Six and two it, or four so and it, eight, de- four. it depends. For me, it was it was uh, two and two. It was two years active, two years reserve, and I swapped out the reserve for active time. Okay, and then I just did my four years instead of reserve. I just did them active okay. and just finished my contract. So you have that option, but some people get stuck with six and two. Nowadays, I'm seeing more six and two, yeah. and not not four and four like they used to. So I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I know that's the Marine Corps. They're, they they love the four and four. Unless you go EOD, then you're getting six and two and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it sounds like funny story. <laughs> I'm sorry, you just did me another one. <laughs> but it sounds like when you sign up for your first initial four years or whatever it is, you're also signing up to to work for you know we'll just say charter because it's just easier. Yeah, they just say like, hey, temporarily we will give you a maintenance position in Time Warner Cable when you ETS at this date. Supposedly. Oh hell yeah. Dude, but it doesn't. It doesn't always work, and it okay. didn't. It actually didn't work in my case. I just abused the system. <laughs> so, because what happens is, I try to use the PACE program. I was going through the VA because they had gone through my claim because I have a really bad back injury I got in 2013. Okay. And um, I was trying to go through all, uh, trying to go through all this, and they were just giving me the runaround. And then I got, I, I just got the the lady on the phone. And they're not, and I was like, look, I need to interview with you. I just, as long as I interview with you, everything else is on paper, right? right? She's like, okay, booked it. So I went to the first interview and this was September. I was still in active duty until the end of December because my leave didn't start until January 1st. Right. So I'm like, 
uh, she's like, well, we need you to start next week. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I was like, can I interview again? <laughs> I was like, if we could just keep me interviewing, you know, I'm just going to get better. Yep. And that's sure enough. That's exactly what happened. I ended up interviewing three times for the position and I, I wouldn't. They got so tired of seeing my face. I guess that's why I got hired. I was just like, hey, I'm not leaving here until you guys give me a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, just, I just kept going, man. Yep. And for the listeners out there, I mean, if you know anybody, a relative or anything like that, it's going into the Army, um, maybe the Marine Corps. I don't even know if all the branches do that, but that PACE program sounds like a phenomenal deal. If it works out for you, but at least you have somewhat of a – it's nice to hear that they're actually trying to set you up when you get out, when you get in. And that's ultimately, that's when you have to really start thinking about what you're doing when you get out. So I would say that from when I got into when I got out, the transition process has improved immensely. I will tell you that, you know, Perfect. I know you probably can't speak because you got out in 09. You were kind of in that middle era. Yeah. It's changed a lot. I mean, they, they, they give them almost two or three months to transition out. And really, I, I personally would say that anybody that gets out without a plan, that's your own that's your own fucking fault. And I'm sorry to say right, it because, right. because there's a, there's so many resources. And if you're not abusing it during that terminal time when you're supposed to, yeah. that's on you, boo boo. So yeah. don't be mad at other people when your aces and your transcripts and all your other shit's fucked up because you spent no time fixing it while you were in. Right. Cause I was one of those that I was always a paper monkey. Like, uh, my soldiers, if my soldiers had something wrong with the ERB or ORB or whatever, I, would send them straight to S1 like you ain't leaving until this shit's fixed because right. that's all you're going to have when you leave it's, and all for all those NCOs out there that ain't fucking doing their shit start writing it down because I'm yeah. tired of fucking hearing nightmare stories while I'm out it's yeah. just sad man it's sad no it is yeah it uh yeah and I'm glad to hear that they're they're improving it at least and uh you know that's can't ask for more if they're if they're trying and everything else and you and you do your good diligence while you're in then you know i was kind of naive when i was getting out i was kind of naive i was like yeah i'll get out i'm a marine it's under my resume i'm gonna get any job i fucking want not the fucking case and i get out at no nine dude the economy was shit anyway i know that that was the rough i could only imagine because that's exactly what like i said you yeah. were getting out during the time that i had to go in because i was in the hole <laughs> Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It just makes you realize that it's just it, it could happen to anybody at any moment. And now, towards the end of my career, there's a lot of stuff that got me a little salty. And I think the biggest yeah. the biggest problem that we had was the fact that they were scrutinizing a lot of the older uh, generations, the the you know the people who were in Desert Storm and the people who fought in Iraq originally are the ones really getting the short end of the stick because. They in implemented a lot of these eight-year, uh, I can't even remember what they call QMP process, the quality measure program. Yeah. Um, QMP where they're cutting out. I've seen three NCOs get cut. Three senior NCOs get cut. Yeah. And I will tell you that the best fucking NCOs I ever had in my life get kicked out of the army. Yeah. Three of them. Yeah. Just because a bad, a bad NCOER or just because they hit time and they couldn't get promoted. You know for a fact that the system that they have in place, and I will tell you this because I, I lived it. Yeah. For a fact, the system of, of, uh, promotion is not ideal in the yeah. army. I don't know how it works for the military, uh, for the Marines, 
or the Navy, but I'm pretty sure it's the same process. So yeah. we had a board process that we would go through when we hit E5. We had a board process when we go to E6 and so on and so on and so on. Yeah. However, you also had criteria to meet before that board, and then we have to meet points. Yep. <clears throat> I was maxed out in points for over two, three years, and I did not get promoted. So yep. that tells you that tells you that the, the system is not built for that person, but it's yeah. it's needs of the army, right? It's whatever the army needs. They may need more mechanics now than they did signal guys. So I, I get it. Yeah. But um, I would say that they they need to work on that system of promotion, and I think that it's something that that hopefully we could get some clarification because a, a fifteen year, a fifteen or sixteen year E seven losing his position and yeah. everything he knows and serving that much time and getting out with a kick in the ass and not even a VA rating. Yeah. That hurts. That hurts me. And then you talk about taking care of soldiers, but that soldier's gone. You just yeah. ruined his life. Absolutely. It's, and it's all, and it's all because they're saying like, "Well, we have too many staff and chills already." So it's not like well, you're bad. It's just we can't promote anymore. No, but they did just have to create a system to cut. And yeah. the thing is that they created the system, but they're cutting at the wrong level. Because look at it this way: if I was trying to train you for a job and I'm giving you a left seat, right seat, would you not like that right seat? to know um, everything that they're going to do. And yeah. if they do, then they're doing their job. That's right. to me, that's their, and at the end of the day, that's their job um, is to help that other person get to the position that they don't need them. Right. Um, and that's, that's what I was seeing way too often towards the ass. And so many officers, we lost really good captains, really good majors. I've seen a couple of Lieutenant Colonels even leave Sergeant majors, wonderful yeah. people, wonderful people. And just because they fall on the the timeline on the, on the wrong side of the timeline, yeah, their career is over. Yeah. So it's definitely that tough. Q, yeah, that Q and P process definitely. I just think has to just get overlooked. I think something else needs to get done about it. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So I just want the listeners to know, Dino, you get your own podcast. What's uh, what's going on with yes. that? So I do have my own podcast. It's called Sarandino's True Talk. Um, we pretty much talk about a little bit of everything, but season one was mainly about the body. Um, and now season two is more about mental health. <clears throat> season one, uh, like I said, I was explaining kind of what I had to go through uh, with my injury in 2013. I ended up uh, pretty much slipping my disc all the way out. And oh. uh, I was stuck hunch over like the hunchback of Notre Dame for about six months. So if you're going through any type of adversity where you don't feel like you can get back physically, uh, I'll challenge you to, to listen to any one of the episodes of season one. They're they're a little bit. Everyone's about fitness, overcoming adversity. And like I said, this season I've been focusing on mental health just because I had a mental breakdown uh, probably towards the middle of this year. It was pretty bad. Um, so I ended up making an episode about PTSD. Uh, with uh, Dr. John King, and that's that's all I'm promoting is really just go listen to it if you need help. There's people out here that have been through it, and you're not alone. So if you're listening out there and you feel like you hit that rock bottom or you got no moto- motivation, I challenge you to listen to one of my episodes and either hate me or love me. But if you learn something, then I'll feel happy, happy insight. Yeah. So what's <laughs> what's the name of that again? It's called Sarn Dino's True Talk, and okay. you guys can find me on anything. I'm on Spotify, I'm on YouTube, I'm on everything. So yeah, send me a link, and I'll put it in my show description here for the listeners. And uh, we'll do, sir. We'll do. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully somebody will listen to it, and uh, they'll get some good advice out of there, and uh, 
it'll help them. You know, because yep. that's ultimately that's you know kind of talking before the show. That's ultimately what both of me and you are after, just helping that one person. That one person, if we can help them, it's mm-hmm. worth it. And, it's absolutely, and that's it. why I say your mission is a godsend. And I really appreciate what you're doing, not only for the my my battle buddies and brothers in arms and my sisters in arms too. It always get neglected. Um, I want to say that it's just it's just really an honor. What you're doing is God's work, man. And I really appreciate seeing people like you doing this just straight out of their heart and then yeah. I, I just that's you spoke to me and that's why i spoke to you yeah perfect yeah i mean it's just what kills me is the, is the 22 a day and it's just it doesn't need it doesn't need to happen that way i mean we're all phenomenal phenomenal people i don't care who you were before you got in and what you did while you're in or anything like that each one of us are essential in our own ways and to lose that 22 a day it just it breaks you down. It, it, it fucking it, it it pisses you off and it breaks you down. But um, and for some of the reasons, you know, I'm not saying everybody all not all the 22 is the same reason, but you know, some of the reasons are just you know people feeling that uh, they weren't worth the shit or they didn't do what they needed to do or or anything like that. And that's why you know this episode's on here and and you know everybody can talk about what they did and sh- hopefully show people that like listen, they're not alone and everybody's story is different. And as far as uh, as far as Mission Twenty Two, what they stand by, it's, it's I can't even speak to it. I mean, there's so many organizations out there, but Mission Twenty Two is probably the one that hits closest to me because yep. you figure an eight year veteran like me that's been everywhere from the special forces to field artillery unit lost more people in yep. combat, and I will tell you right now, I lost way more people yep. in the bees, way more people. And I just want to let you guys know you're not alone if you're listening to this. And if you're part of that 22 and you're thinking about it or you're clutching something in your hands, do me a favor and stop. And uh, you're just looking for, as they would say uh, to us all the time, a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. So yeah, we're here to help. Uh, reach out to me. Shit, you could call me, ping me, message me, Facebook me. Don't parlor me because I'm not there yet. But <laughs> yeah, I gotta get it. I don't know if I'm gonna get on that because it's like, gosh, there's too many, man. There's way too many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, what's the point? I mean, I get Facebook jail and everything else, but parlor, it's, it's gonna turn out to be the same fucking thing again, you know? It's, yeah, I just, I think the reason why people, I think, stick to Facebook is just because predominantly family members tend to be on Facebook. So, yeah, people will always be on Facebook. It's like the MySpace of, of this era, if I like to call it, you know? Yep. Yeah. And it's funny too, because like you know, Facebook started off as just the uh, you know the owner of Facebook or the inventor of Facebook. He just wanted military personnel that was overseas and not home to be able to communicate for free. And then he sold his company to that. Uh, I can never remember his name, but I call him Pickleface. But um, he sold his company to him, and that's when all the ads came out and all on all that stuff. And that's when, it, in my eyes, it kind of went down south. But I mean, it's still a good social media. A lot of people interact and and stuff like that on there. So. Um, you know, face. I, I talk about Facebook right now, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to. I'm working with a couple of people, and I'm trying to get a kind of like a hangout place that anybody can just go on to, like a live video type of thing, like almost like a Zoom. But Zoom wants a crazy amount of money to do this. But I'm trying to have like a, you know, come have coffee with me or something like that. Like you know, three yeah. nights a week. You know, anybody anywhere can just get on for free, and then we can all just bullshit. You know, nothing's recorded. Just bullshit about stuff. You know. So uh, after this, definitely let's chat. Let's check because okay. uh, I could. I think I have a solution that might help you. All right, perfect. <laughs> well, 
listeners out there, once again, if you want to get on to uh, Sergeant Dino's True Talk podcast, I'll put a show in the a link for his show in the podcast in uh, show notes. And you know, Mission Twenty Two is always out there. I'm always out there. You can get hold of me, Dave, at AmericanVetPodcast.com. You can go to my website, AmericanVetPodcast.com, and get a hold of me there. And uh, I'm always doing things for Mission Twenty Two, and you know, and and I, once you know this COVID shit's all over, I plan on doing a couple bonuses like once a month, and I'm just gonna put out there like all the events that we're doing because there's so many events that we do in, all over the U.S. And I'm just gonna do a bonus every, once a month, and uh, I'm gonna say here, I'm just gonna record my dorky voice and. Uh, I'm going to get it out there for everybody so they know where they're at. But if you want to learn anything like that, you can just go to mission22.com and you can top right corner, hit the drop down box and go to events. And it pulls up a, a calendar, all the events coming up. Um, but Dino, I want to say thank you, man. Thank you for your service. Thank you for coming on the show and being willing and, and, and dropping some knowledge here for us and the listeners and showing everybody, everybody's got a different story. Yeah, man, definitely. Thank you again for uh, still living here, even after all this crap. <laughs> that's what I always tell people when they take me for my service, because that's really ultimately what it comes down to. We're still we're still Americans at heart, and we're still true patriots, and yeah. we're here in the cut right now. But we can support in different ways, and and just you have to reach for help if you want help, guys. So please Absolutely. reach out to somebody. Doesn't matter. Just pick up the phone. Yeah. And, Thank you guys for your, your your time and patience, and keep doing what what you're doing here with American Vet. I love it. Yep. Thank you, and uh, listeners, stay tuned for another episode coming up in the near future. And if you want to be a guest, get on the website, click the book it now, and uh, we'll chat. Thank you again, Dino, and uh, thanks for being a guest, man. It was it was fun. Thank you. If we look to the answer. As to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom.